you, church. Thank you, Pastor, for that introduction. You know, I say this all the time, every time I come up here, it's, it's a great honor to um, be able to teach or preach the Word of God. Um, so I thank, I thank God for another day of life. I thank Him for this opportunity. Um, so yes, today we're going to read, uh, or we're going to be doing lesson two of the, of the, a reason, of, a reason of the hope, um, Bible study that we're that we're going to be doing and lesson two is titled faith towards God and so we're going to start that in Hebrews chapter 6 and we're going to read verses 1 through 10 so if you have your Bibles with you um, let's go ahead and read that so we will start there give you guys a couple a couple minutes or a couple seconds So Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us, go on to, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from, from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on the hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Verse 3, And this will, and this, we, and this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Verse 7 says, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs met for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and, and brayers is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have shewed uh, towards, his, towards his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. I want to um, read that in the Amplified Version if you can give me some more time. It says, Therefore let us get past the elementary stages and the teachings about Christ, about the Christ advancing on to maturity and perfection and spiritual completeness, doing this without laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of teaching about washing, ritual purification, the laying, of on, the, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These are all important matters in which you should have been proficient long ago. Uh, verse 3 says, and we will do this, that is, proceed to maturity, if God permits. For it is impossible to restore repentance. Those who have once been enlightened spiritually and, and who have tasted and consciously experienced the heavenly gifts and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted and consciously experienced the good word of God and the powers of the age world to come. 
and then have fallen away, it is impossible to bring them back again to repentance, since they again nail, since they again nail the Son of God on the cross. For as far as they are concerned, they are treating the death of Christ as if they were not saved by it, and are holding him up against again to public disgrace. Verse 7 says, For soil that drinks the rain which often falls on it and produces crops useful to those useful to those for whose benefit it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But it is pers persistently produces thorns and thistles. It is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. But beloved, even though we speak to you in this way, we are convinced of better things concerning you and of things that accompany salvation. For God is not unjust so so for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and love which you have shown for his name in ministering to the needs of the saints, God's people, as you do. Let's bow our heads for the reading of the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for another day of life. We thank you for your presence in this place, God. We know you are the Alpha and the Omega. We know you are the Savior, God. We know that you are the creator of everything here on this earth, God. And we want to make sure that we give you the glory and the honor. I pray for those who are watching and listening today. May their ears be open to hear. May their eyes be open to see, Lord God. And, and just get into your presence. Get into your word, Lord God. Let it be planted and good grounds, Lord God, so it can produce good fruit for days to come. And we say this in your mighty name, Jesus, amen. Amen, church. I'm sorry if I was too fast and, 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 and jumped from, from uh, King James Version to the Amplified Version. Uh, I'm kind of excited about today's lesson because I feel like it's an important one. I feel like it's an important lesson that we should know and understand as believers in Christ. Um, it, is, it is about faith. And so we're going to start in the lesson. On the notes, it says, faith towards God is one of the six principles of the doctrine of Christ. We will study the others, late, others in later uh, lessons. All six are easily identifiable by notion and lesson topics. So it says, our last lesson identified faith, believing in and trusting Christ alone for salvation as the first steps towards salvation. Faith, faith is an essential prerequisite in coming to God. Without faith, it is, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews 11.6. So Hebrews is 11 is commonly called the faith chapter of the Bible. So everyone who, who is a believer, everyone who is a student, uh, I do also recommend that you study that chapter. Um, but the writer of Hebrews admonishes us to leave the basic principles of doctrine of Christ not laying again the foundation of these principles, but rather go on to perfection. So what he's saying is, is that we need to be maturing in the word of God. We need to be maturing in our walk with Christ. So he says, but rather go into perfection, i.e. spiritual maturity. God is not telling us to forsake or abandon those principles. He's telling us to establish them in our lives as new converts, and then to progress beyond them. We are to know them, understand them, have them in our mind and heart, and then go on to maturity in Christ. Growth is, is involved in this process. We all should desire it. The next uh, 
paragraph, it says, only two foundations exist for us to build our lives upon. Uh, Matthew's, I'm going to go ahead and read the, the scripture. Sorry. It's Matthew chapter 7, um, verse 24 through 29. And um, I'm reading it in the Amplified Version. Uh, it says, Jesus left the temple area and was going, or excuse me, I'm sorry. Chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. The two foundations. So everyone who hears these words of mine, and and this is Jesus speaking, and acts on them will be like a wise man, a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the flood and torrents came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods and torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great and complete and great and complete was its fall. So he's using a parable. He's saying that if you build your life on the on my words, on my teachings, your foundation is like that of a foundation on a rock. So when the wind comes, when the rain comes, when hard times come in your life, you, you will not be easily, you will not easily fall over. You will be able to stand, stand, withstand the storm. But like the foolish man, those who don't follow his words, those who don't live by his principle, um, when the rain, when the storm comes, when hard times come in your life, it's going to be easy for you to fall off. It's going to be easy for you to decide to go back to the world, to go back to those things that were easy for you, those things that were convenient for you because you did not follow what God was teaching you. So before we move on in this lesson, I want you guys to go to Matthew 16, 18. And I, I, I want to kind of explain this this. Uh, this verse here, or actually start in Matthew 13 through 18, because I feel like this is this was an important time in the creation of the, the church, basically. Or excuse me, Matthew 16, verse 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or just one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed the son of the living God. Then Jesus answered him, blessed, happy, spiritually secure, favored by God. Are you Simon, son of Jonah? Because flesh and blood, meaning mortal man, did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The gates of Hades, meaning death, will not overpower it by preventing the resurrection of Christ. This, I'm, I'm reading this in the Amplified Version. The reason why I'm doing that is because it gives you a little bit more details. So when Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And Simon Peter replied, he, he said, he said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the anointed, the son of the living God. It was that proclamation that Jesus Christ is the son of God, the Messiah and the savior of mankind, which the Lord Jesus will build his church. You see, he, he spilt his blood. Uh, him spilling his blood was to seal the faith of Satan and destroy the power of death and hell. The power that gripped the neck of every human born on this, in this world. So the church wasn't founded on Peter, the person, but upon that significant confession about who Jesus was. That was revealed to him by God. And that's important because Peter had to understand who Jesus was in order to move forward. And so do we as Christians, as believers. We need to understand the power of Jesus and we need to believe in it. That's that faith, church. That, that is the faith that we're talking about. That is the faith towards God. Because without that understanding, without that believing in him, then we can't be followers of Christ. So, again, I said on, that, on the two foundations exist for us to build our lives upon. Until we are firmly established upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone we are not prepared to go on to greater things. The purpose of this lesson is to establish these principles in our lives and to motivate us for spiritual growth. So, so far, we're talking about growing spiritually. We can't stay stagnant in the church. We can't just come to God and say, or come to the church and say, God, I was a bad person. Uh, you know, I, I repent, um, take, take away sin, and that's it. And then we go home wake up, we do the same. We have to do more. We have to believe in the words of Jesus. We have to believe in his teachings and then apply it to our lives and to live that way every single day. So since we have already established the essentiality of faith for salvation, we would, well, we would do well to note its importance in our daily Christian life, in our daily Christian walk. So we must clarify the meaning of the terms the faith and faith so we can understand scripture. So the faith meaning the teachings of Jesus' words that were passed down to the apostles. That's what the faith is. The faith is the doctrine and the teachings established by Christ taught by the apostles and delivered to the saints. When the Bible speaks of contending for the, for the faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and some shall depart from the faith. This is not the same sense as faith towards God. So listed below are many verses uh, relating to the faith. We should learn to di uh, differentiate between the two. So I won't read into all the scriptures, uh, but we'll go through a few of them. So in Jude, verse 3, it says, Beloved, 
While I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I I was compelled to write to you urgently, appealing to you that you fight strenuously for the defense of the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints, the faith that is the sum of Christian belief that was given verbally to believers. So what this verse is saying is that, that you are fighting for what Jesus has taught the apostles who have then taught the people, who have then went out and shared the gospel. Uh, verse 17, I'll go there. It says, but as for you, beloved, remember the prophetic words spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what this, what this is establishing is, is that that's what the faith is. The faith is the word of God. The faith is the teachings of God. The faith is the teachings that the apostle has passed down to us from generations to generations that we then go and turn and turn, pass it down to others. That's what it means to be. That's what it means when they say the faith. So and it says a good thing to remember in helping to differentiate these two terms is that one have faith and not that one can have faith and not be in the faith. But one cannot be in the faith without having faith towards God. So faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is the definition that was given to us in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1. This is the meaning of faith towards God as found in Hebrews. Faith is the translation of the Greek word, which means persuasion, which means credence, which means conviction of the truthfulness of God, assurance and believe it and believing. I, I put it like this faith. So it, it, and it says right here, believing or which the word belief. I put it like this. Belief to me is or they say belief is mental. It, mean, it means that in your mind, you can you can believe something to be true. You know, you I, I believe Brother Greg's shirt is great. Like mentally, I can see it. Logically, I can understand it. Faith is, is spiritually. It's, it's in you. It's something that you just have. You just understand. Like, like I don't have to see it, but I understand it and I believe it to be true. And I, I, I act upon that. That's that's the difference. Like belief is something where I, I, I can physically see it, understand it. And, and go with it, whereas faith is, even though I don't see it, I, I know it's true. I, I, that, that's a way that I can break down faith from in the faith. In the faith is God's teachings, his, his word, his, his message. But having faith is to act upon that without needing to see the evidence. I just do it. I just act upon it. Um. So how do we attain faith? It says, so, th- so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As we hear the word, we must mix it with the faith for it to profit us. Our journey towards God and salvation really begins when we hear the word of God and believe it. At this juncture, so again, we hear the word of God and then we believe it. At this juncture, we give mental and verbal assent to God and his word. Having faith or believing must exist in our lives through every step The Bible leads us. Although we may not be able to explain the Bible or have a full understanding of it, yet we believe it. That is faith 
towards God. We don't see it. We don't have a full understanding, but we know it's to be true. When we believe we are eligible to receive anything and everything God's words promise us, mentally believing in and or excuse me, mentally believing in or on Jesus Christ and his word does not constitute salvation within itself. Rather, our faith becomes the propelling force that causes us to act on what we believe. So we believe it to be true, but our faith makes us act upon it, makes us go out and do it. Although I don't see God every day, I don't see his presence, I believe that he is there. My faith says he is there with me. So both Satan's and demons believe. This is in James chapter 2, verse 19, and I actually want to go there. Because I want to read this real quick. And this is James. He was was talking about, and and, and this is one of the the famous chapters. He was talking about uh, faith without works, faith without deeds. And he was was speaking to the people and he was saying, you believe that God is what you, excuse me, you believe that God is one. You do well to believe that. He said, but he said the demons also believe that and shudder and bristle in awe-filled terror that they have seen his wrath. I'm going to keep going. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish, spiritually shallow person, that faith without good works is useless? So that first part in, in, in verse 19, what he was saying was, what he was saying was, even the demons, even the devil believe Jesus to be true, but they don't act in faith upon that. They don't act in his teachings. They don't act in what he believes in. They don't, their life isn't dictated on, on that part of Jesus. They believe him. They believe Jesus is real. They will say that to you, but they don't follow his teachings. They don't follow the commandments. They don't follow the principles. None of that. So even if you as a person say that I believe, well, you're doing just like the demons do. You're, you're being just like the demons are. You believe just like they believe. That doesn't tell me anything. Hey, brother, I believe in God. But are you acting on that? Are you living your life accordingly? Are you following his teachings? Are you following his words, his message? Because if you're not, you're no better than the demons are. And that's hard to hear sometimes. That's, hard, that's a hard pill to swallow because no one wants to be associated with demons. But that's what James was saying. So he's saying that you need more than just belief. And beliefs is not just, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm at the altar every Sunday and that's it. I'm not, I'm not against that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you need more than just a show, more than just the works. Your lifestyle has to change. Your lifestyle has to copy what Jesus is telling you or, or doing the things that he's telling you to do. That's what it means. So the next next uh, paragraph says we can acquire great things from God through faith. The most important is salvation. So I'm going to talk about salvation, salvation from sin. Some additional benefits accompany salvation, 
but they're constantly dependent on faith to keep them alive in our heart and soul. Salvation. Said unbelief will stop us from receiving salvation for our souls. We must not allow the devil to confuse our minds by telling us that we doubt when the problem is a lack of understanding. And that's that's good right there, because a lot of times when we don't understand something, we cloud our mind thinking it's just doubt. But yet I just don't understand what's happening, God. I don't understand where you have me going. I don't understand where, where, what direction you have me in, so I'm doubting the decisions that I made. I'm doubting the things that I, I, I try to do on a daily basis because I don't understand it. And a lot of people in the world do that as well. They doubt God because they don't understand. How, how, how can you pray to someone you can't see? How can you believe in that? How, how can you, uh, how do you go every day to church or how do you go every Sunday or how do you sacrifice your time to go and, and read the Bible and pray? And do, because they don't understand it. They lack understanding, so they doubt it. So they lack understanding of God's word. There is a vast difference between the two. Unbelievers have their part in the lake of fire, Revelations 21.8. These are the ones who refuse to accept God's words and to believe and obey it. So it says, let us obey Jesus' call, which is repent ye and believe the gospel. So there's two parts right there. Repent. So you have to repent for, in order to get salvation. You have to come to the Lord and say, God, uh, Lord, forgive me for my sins. But then it goes beyond that. So remember, I was saying earlier, and, and like I said, I wasn't saying don't come to the altar, but I'm saying you have to do more than just that. So you can come to the altar and ask for repentance, ask for forgiveness of my sins, but then I need to believe, I need to, uh, excuse me, repent ye and believe the gospel. I need to believe what Jesus is telling me. I need to believe his teachings. I need to believe the teachings of the apostles. So if I just come and say, God, forgive me for my sins and walk away and never do anything else, I'm not, I, I'm not getting saved. I don't have salvation. I need more than that. It's more than just saying a prayer and that's it. It's more than just saying a prayer and then you're done. You need more. You need to believe the Gospels. And if you believe the Gospels, if you believe what God is telling you, then there's, there's definitely more to it than just saying a prayer. Amen. So again, the following verses demonstrate the necessity of faith for salvation. Um, before I get to that, salvation, I, I, wanna, I want to break down that Definition, the salvation is the saving of human beings from sin and its consequences, which includes death and separation for God. So salvation, therefore, is a free gift of grace from God. When we accept that free gift, we are made acceptable before or made right with God. So that's the first step. We need to repent. Um. Repent from our sins, and then that's when we start to be, uh, our God will say, okay, I'm going to give, for my grace, I'm going to give you uh, salvation. This is, this is from me. This is, salvation isn't just you saying, like I said, it's not just you saying a prayer. It's not just you saying, God, forgive me for my sin. That, he doesn't give it to us from what we say. God gives it to us freely. He, sees the, he wants to see the change in us, so he gives us salvation Freely. It's not something that we do to gain salvation. This is God giving it to us. 
So how do we receive salvation? This means turning away from sin. We repent and turning towards God, which is our faith. We repent and then we have faith in God and his words in our lives. This is not something you earn. It is his free gift. So again, it says, let's go back to the verses. He says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He who comes to God must believe in him, must believe in his truth, must believe in his word. And that's how you start to gain salvation or he gives you salvation. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow the rivers of living water, the spirit of God. To, to them give to to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So, again, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in his teachings. And and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, again, we see that you have to turn towards God and you have to believe. Whom God has set forth to be uh, propitations pro, pro through faith in his blood, meaning accepting, accepted, excuse me, buried with him in baptism, whereas also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Baptism, testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, he talks about repentance and then also believing. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So you receive the, the Holy Spirit by living out the way that God is telling you to live but also believing, also having faith. Move along. One of the next great things is healing. And before I start, I always, I always wonder why in most situations when Jesus um, healed someone or he performed a miracle, he instructed them not to tell anyone. Don't, he, would, he would instruct them like, I'm going to heal you, but don't, don't go and tell people that I've done that. Although some people still did it anyway. <laughs> they still went and told. But I always wondered that. What, you know, he always instructed them not to tell anyone. Um, because Jesus wasn't doing the healings or the miracles just to heal. He was doing them to get people to listen to his message. And sometimes the healings um, got in the way of, of Jesus' message. Like when he healed the, the leper and he told and the leper told so many people where he could he then couldn't teach in that town because all they wanted was healing. There were some that he did instruct to tell, and I believe that is because he felt like I can get people to come and listen to the message. He he would look at the situations and say, if I tell this person to 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 if I heal this person and tell them that and tell them to go share that good news, they're going to bring people to hear and listen to my message. It was all about the message. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to heal this person. I want to do miracles here. I want to do miracles here. There was a purpose behind that. He wanted people to pay attention to his message, but sometimes he realized telling or having them share that message would only bring on the looky-loos, would only bring on what they call them, uh, 
fence sitters. Uh, only bring on those who wanted to see a miracle. Only wanted only will only bring those who wanted to uh, witness something, not necessarily want to hear his message, not necessarily want to hear the word of God, which would then change their lives and and, uh, give them eternal salvation. No, there was people that all they wanted to do was just hear the miracles. They wanted to see healings. They wanted to see uh, riches. They wanted to see prosperity. That's it. They didn't want to listen to the message. They didn't want to hear what God was teaching them and trying to get them to change their ways to get them uh, to something better. To, to something more than just riches, to something more than just healings. He wanted to bring them to salvation. And so they, they wouldn't always get that um, by just going around and, and sharing, I did this miracle here, or I did that miracle here, or, I did this miracle here. So he felt like it would draw people in to hear his teachings, but if, if it only brought others who wanted a miracle without the life-changing salvation, then it was useless. Because us humans are shallow people. You know, we rather choose the immediate good over the eternal great. Meaning we rather have the quick fix over the lifelong healing. So healing along with several other topics mentioned here are really uh, addenda to the subject of salvation. Since each of these have faith as its activator, we mention them here. So these are the scriptures in the lessons this is telling us. These are scriptures that kind of show um, kind of show the healing that will happen in your life uh, with salvation. And it's only activated by our own faith. And it says, in the prayer of faith shall we save the sick. Um, number two, to the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus says, daughter, be good, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Um, and, that, and that's a great scripture because it showed the woman who had the issue of blood. It showed her faith because when, when and back in those times, if you had that issue that she had, you was considered unclean. And so when they considered you unclean, you wasn't supposed to be around people. You know, you wasn't supposed to come around your family, your friends, because you were unclean. No one wanted to touch you. No one wanted you to accidentally touch them. So her faith was so strong that she says, I don't care about the rules that you guys have. I'm going to push through the crowd and I'm going to get my healing from Jesus. I'm, I believe in him so much that I'm willing to risk my life to go and get healing from Jesus. How many of us have had that moment? How many of us have had that experience to where we don't care what other people think, says, do, or talk about us? I, I need healing from Jesus, so I'm going to go see it. I'm going to push through the crowd. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get to Jesus to receive my healing, to receive my salvation. And that's, that's what's so powerful about that message, about that story, is because in those times, that was very strict. That was a, that's something that you just did not uh, disobey. And so for her to push through, and Jesus knew that. Jesus knew all the rules, all the laws, all the things like that. So when he told her, when he told her daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith had made thee whole. It wasn't just his power that made her whole. It was his, her faith in him that made her whole. And that's where we have to be at today, church. That's what we have to be today is where it's not 
we're, we're not just looking at it as his power, but we're, we're so faithful. We believe in him so much that when we go and pray, he sees our faith and says, well, I'm going to reward that. I'm going to give that person what they desire. I'm going to give them healing. I'm going to give them comfort because their faith is so strong. We can't just doubt. We can't just be wishy-washy with God. We can't come to the altar and say, God, you know, I don't know about if today's a good day, but I'm struggling. Can you help? No, you got to go to the altar and be like, God, I believe in your power. I believe in who you are. I'm faithful to you, Lord. I understand that you are the Messiah. I understand that you are our Savior, God. I know that you have authority here on earth. Your authority is better than anybody else's here on earth. God, I pray right now that you heal my body. God, I pray right now you save my, my family member. God, I pray right now you make a change in my life because I no longer can live this life on this earth. That's how we have to be. That's how faithful we have to be in his word and believing in him. Because then he will tell us, daughter, son, be comfort. Be, have good comfort in you because your faith have made you whole. Yeah. That's what we need to get to. That's the part that we need to be at. That's how faithful we need to be in the word of God and his and believe in him to where he it's not. I made I made you whole. It's not that my power is strong enough. No, he's saying because of your faith in me, I'm going to give you that healing. I'm going to give you that salvation. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change the life of your family member. That's where we need to be. That's why that is so powerful. Amen. Number three, it says in his name, through faith in his name, have made this man strong. Again, it's telling us in faith in him in faith in his name and faith in my God and faith in Jesus Christ, he's going to make me whole. And if we can't come to the Lord like that, then he's not going to make changes in our lives. And we're going to sit there and wonder, God, why, why have not, nothing moved in my life? Why, why am I still stuck in the same spot? Why do you continue to have me going through this? Well, is your faith as strong like that? Do you believe in my name? Do you believe in who I am? You know, it's funny because I remember when I was younger, and, you know, grew up in, in the streets, not, you know, not a gangbanger or anything like that. But that was one thing that I was always told, you know, have honor in your name. If someone disrespects your name, that's when something goes down. So Jesus is saying, I want you to have faith like that. Know my name, honor my name, honor who I am. And I will give you those things that you desire. I will give you the things that you need in your life. So that's how we have to be. According to your faith, be it into you. So again, according to your faith, your faith has to be strong. The next thing you get is pleasing God. And it says every born again Christian is filled with the basic desire to please the one who saved him from sin. The desire will bring discipline to our lives with resulting blessings of God upon us. Again, this can only be accomplished by faith towards God. And I know the title was this. It's faith towards God. And I know this whole lesson is talked about, about faith towards God. But that's the, that's the most important thing, church. You have to be faithful to the Lord. You have to believe in his name. You have to have faith in his name. Victory. Success is living for God. Along with the conquest of besetting sins can only come through faith. To avoid defeat in our Christian walk, we must keep our faith strong. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. First John chapter five, verse four. 
The next part two says we should study the things that constitute the world, the world with the view of being victorious over them. So what, what this is saying is like we have to understand what's going on outside. We have to understand what it is. We, we got to know what, what, what this, not, not be nosy, but we have to know. We have to know what this means, what that means, what these laws are, things like that. We have to understand those because then I know what to pray against. I know what to say, God, give me victory over. I know what to say, God, protect me, Lord. Continue to help me in this area, in that area, in this area. That's what it means to have victory. That's, that's what they're saying here. We should study the things that constitute the world with the view of being victorious over it. So I know what's going on out there. I'm aware of what's going on out there, but I have victory over it. My God has given me victory over it. I don't have to go back to that, but I know that it's there. I know that it exists. I'm not oblivious to the things that's going on around me. I know that they're there. And because I know that they're there, I can say that I have victory over it because I'm no longer there. Yeah. I'm no longer in that. I'm no longer doing the things that I used to do. I know it's there. I know where all the neighborhoods are at. I'm no longer there, though. You know what I'm saying? I have victory over that. The next thing is understanding. Through the, and I just kind of talked about that. Through the things of God, through the things of God, or excuse me, though the things of God are inexplicable by us, there is a binding comprehension of the, of the things of God. We accept them by faith, therefore many things baffling to theologians are readily understood by the believers. How great is the peace afforded to believers? So you're going to find that, and in, 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 in I, know, I noticed that, or I started to understand that when I started my walk with Christ. Um, I'm, I'm one who likes to, to keep up on things. I'm one who likes to, to understand things. So for me, just walking into something by faith wasn't always what I did. Although, let me take that back. I have faith in things. But I always tried to have an understanding of it as well. It, it wasn't without research or looking something up. I can believe and, and I can believe that things are going to go good in my life. But there was always a part of me that's like, well, let me make sure. Let me study this or let me understand this or let me try to figure this out. But I do believe. And so what this is saying is and, and, and that has changed for me, for, for my walk with God. That has changed. I. My faith is strong in the Lord. My faith, my belief in things that are that are go right or, or if situations are starting to go wrong, I pray. I'm like, you know what, God, I have faith on whatever it is you want me to do. Wherever it is you guide my life to, I have faith in that. And so that's what this is saying. Although you have people in the world who's going to challenge you, who's going to say, I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you doing that? Trying to put doubt in your, your mind, doubt in your heart. If you're a believer and you have faith in, the, in God, you that doesn't even bother you. That doesn't even matter to you. Like the, the I, remember, I remember people had jokes for me. People was, was saying, man, what are you doing? Uh, tried to say we were in cults and stuff like, no, no, no. I know what God did in my life. I know how God changed me. I know what God brought me out of. I have faith and I believe. If you don't understand, if, if you can't break down the, the scriptures, if you can't understand what Jesus is saying in some of these parables, I, I do. So maybe it's you who needs to study more. Maybe it's you who needs to try to understand. And so that's what he's saying. If you're a believer, uh, 
you readily understand, you're readily understood what the word of God is. You know it. You, you understand it. You get it. And you believe in it. And he's saying, how great is, is the peace afforded to those who believe? How great is that? How great is knowing that my God is going to protect me? My God is going to help me. My God is going to um, guide me and, and, and lift, lift me up and, and help me get through uh, tough situations and things like that. Through, so one says, through faith, we understand that the, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And number two says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen for being understood by the things that are made. Even his, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Um, next is sanctifi- sanctification. Sorry, It says we acquire initial sanctification when we are born again through faith. We retain and grow in the state of purification, holiness, and consecration. Other factors are involved, but faith remains the foundation upon which they stand. Um, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by the faith that is in me. That is Acts 26, 18. And it says also, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Again, Acts 15, 19. Um, the next part, I'm kind of going through this quick. I understand. Sorry. But the next part is justification. Justification is saying and justification is another benefit of being born again. Justification means being declared just, innocent, and righteous in the eyes of God. So when I talked about, uh, forgive me. When it, when it talked about um, repentance, when we talked about repentance and we talked about, you know, coming to the altar, we talked about coming to, to the altar, asking for forgiveness of our sins. Uh, that process is the justification. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get in right standings with the Lord. We're trying to say, God, and, and that's, part, that's one part of salvation. So what, what that means is justification is another benefit of being born again. Justification means being declared just, innocent, and righteous in the eyes of God. Um, here we go. I know this is in the notes, but uh, actually, I think it is a little later. But in Isaiah... Uh, 64 6. It says, Isaiah, or excuse me, Isaiah was aware, I'm going to get to uh, Isaiah 6 or 64 6. But it says, Isaiah was aware of human conditions is to be unclean because we are tainted by our sinful uh, motives. Romans 6 23 says, The wages of sin is death. The promise, so the promise to Adam was death for his disobedience. But because of God's mercy, he sent his son to do for us what we couldn't do. His righteous acts was pure and holy. So when I say justification is about getting into um, getting 
getting into the righteousness or getting righteous in the eyes of God. That's what I mean. We have to understand that we know through uh, Adam's deception that we were born into sin. So we can't just come to the Lord as we are. Isaiah says, uh, described it as we are uh, unclean or uh, filthy rags. So we need to make sure that we become righteous in his eyes, that we cleanse ourselves before, before God gives us salvation. So that's what the repentance is. That's what the repentance, that's what's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer going to live my sinful ways. I'm going to turn my life over to, to the Lord. Now we're trying to cleanse ourselves through baptism. Um, we're trying to cleanse ourselves. That's what I mean by, by that when it says justification. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to, it's, it's, you need to start to make the change towards the Lord in order to start to get clean, to be under that, to get righteous under the uh, eyes of God. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Um, and this part goes back to what James was saying uh, in, in um, James, where he was saying that it takes more than just doing an act to, um, to be justified. It takes more than just works. It takes a changing of your life. It takes, takes a changing of your lifestyle. It, take, it takes... Uh, more than just saying the words, you have to start acting the part as well. Um, and part three, it says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So, again, they, was, this was, they were talking to, to Jews who was trying to understand, um, who was trying to understand because they, they were saying in, in the Jewish laws, they said you have to do certain things in order in order to you have to abide by certain laws in order to. Um, excuse me, in order to be, you have to abide by certain laws and certain things you have to do and, or, and for repentance. You have to either uh, pay this or you have to come and say this or you have to do. And so what they were saying in Romans was you don't need to do those things. Um, you need to have faith in the Lord and you need to believe in, in Jesus' teachings. And part, and part four says, wherefore, the law was our uh, schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So the next part says direction. The path of Christians is often obscured. His or her only sense of direction is found through faith in God and his word. Nothing more is needed. We just need to be aware of the type of circumstances under which we must travel. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. Walk in the steps of the faith of our father, Abraham. So, again, we're talking about faith. Um, righteousness is kind of I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Um, righteousness is saying we initially acquire righteousness, which is closely connected to sanctification and justification by the new birth experience. It is it is in this main it is. It is then maintained in the believer's life through faith in God and obedience to his word. So, again, I was saying um, Isaiah was aware of the human condition is to be unclean because we are tainted by the sinful motives, by our sinful motives. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. The promise to Adam was, was death for his disobedience. But because of God's mercy, he sent his son to do for us what we couldn't do. His righteousness acts 
was pure and holy. So he, so he accepted the wrath of God for our sins. He was beaten and broken. He died on the cross so we can be washed clean. So, so we can be washed clean, redeemed, and forgiven so that we can be in right standing with God. So this is what I meant by that, that we, need to be, we needed to be cleaned up so that we can be in right standings with God. That's, that's part of the... Um, that's also part of the justification. So I'm going to get ready to close. It says, uh, the Gentiles, which, or excuse me, it says, it is maintained in the believer's life through faith in God and obedience to his word. Our righteousness are as filthy rags in God's eyes, Isaiah says in 64, in chapter 64, verse 6. Our goal is to have the righteousness of God ruling in our lives. The Gentiles, which follow not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness with is of faith. So what they're saying is the Gentiles who lived their life wasn't going after uh, Jesus. They, were, they, weren't, they weren't living their life to gain that righteousness in God's eye. But as Jesus came on the scene, as he started to teach, as he started to do the miracles, as he started to make an impact in people's lives, that's when they started to turn towards that righteousness. That's when their objectives was like, I want to get in right standing with God. But righteousness, which is faith speaketh on this wise, um, was the last part. So as I close, what basically this verse or this lesson is telling us is, A, we have to have faith in the Lord, and B, we have to believe. And within all of this, You get salvation. And with salvation, you get healing. You please God. You get victory. You get understanding. Um, you get sanctification. You get justification. You get direction in your life and you get within right standings of God. So that's the important part, church is to stay faithful in the Lord and his teachings and, and, and apply it to your life and also be believers. Thank you.